And now our scripture reading comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. This is God's word. Please be seated. Well, good morning again. We are finishing up uh, our series in Galatians. We've come to the end, and it's been a good run. Uh, And the clear message in Galatians over and over has been salvation is Jesus plus nothing. Is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And we've talked a lot about our tendency to supplement the gospel, right? To add things to the gospel. And one of the things we said is that if if you thought about how it would be possible to add anything to the gospel, for example, what would it be like to try to improve upon a gold medal? So kids, you know, in the Olympics, you get medals when you win and they stand up on the podium if you've ever seen it. And if you get first place, you get a gold medal. It's the best medal you could get. So imagine trying to make it better. What would you do to make it better? Well, let's say someone thought that they wanted to take the medal and they wanted to dip it in some other metal that maybe they liked better than gold. I don't know, maybe platinum or something. Or they wanted to take a Sharpie and they wanted to write their name on it or something, right? They're trying to improve upon a gold medal, but guess what? If you try to make a gold medal better, you actually destroy it. You make it worse. It's no longer a gold medal. It's something that used to be a gold medal, and now it has scribbles all over it, right? It's something different. Well, the gospel is similar in this, that if we try to add anything else to Jesus to improve upon it, we actually desert it. We actually walk away from it. And that's been the clear message of Galatians. And so no wonder it had such a profound impact in the Protestant Reformation, which we celebrated the 500th anniversary of this year. In Galatians, I wonder for you, what was your biggest takeaway? What is something that now every time you read the book of Galatians, some verse, some idea you come across, you'll be different because of it. And I hope that you expect that to happen. That's why we pray that God would open up our hearts before we hear the word, because we actually think that his word changes us. Well, either way, whatever it is for you, as Paul gives his closing remarks here in these last verses, verses, he picks up the pen himself. That's what he says. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. So here's what's going on. Most of Paul's letters, he would have an assistant and he would tell them what to write and they would write it down. $5 word, it's called an amenuensis. 
all right? $2 word. It's called an assistant, all right? For everyone else, kids, Paul had his own Siri before we did, right? So he didn't even have to text with his thumbs. He didn't have to write with his hand. All he had to do was speak and someone would write it down. He would dictate what he wanted written and they would write it down. But then at the end, Paul wanted to do two things. One, he wanted to emphasize what he was saying. And two, he wanted to make sure people knew he was the one that wrote it. And so he wrote it with really big letters. That's why he says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. So Paul's doing this with his own personal Siri. And at the end of this letter, he's recapping in a way he normally does. He gives us a simple framework so that we won't forget the main message of the entire letter, the main argument of the entire letter. And in this particular letter, what Paul is saying is that there are two types of boasting. He's summing up his whole argument and saying, really, when it comes down to it, you can boast in two different types of way. Now, before we get to those two and reflect on them for just a few minutes together, I want us to think about what is boasting anyway, right? Is, is boasting showing off like in an excessive touchdown dance, right? Is that what he means by boasting? Well, it, it's, it's actually more than that. Is it bragging, talking so much about yourself? Well, it, it's more than that too. When, when Paul uses this word boasting, he's talking about what one pastor, John Stott, described this way. To boast in the scripture is to say something that one glories in or one trusts in or rejoices in or revels in, something that one lives for. So the object of our boast fills our horizon. So imagine looking forward in your life, dreaming of all the things you want to be when you grow up, or if you're already growing up, looking at all the things you still want to become. That's your horizon. And whatever you boast in is going to either expand that or shrink that depending on if you have a good boast or a not-so-good boast. And so this is something, he says, that we actually obsess in. Whatever you boast in, it absorbs your imagination. It absorbs your every thought, your every motivation. That's how big this word boast is when Paul uses it. Now, when I was in high school, uh, I played baseball. Now, baseball in my high school was the sport you wanted to play. And in the few years leading up to and during my time and a couple years after, we had a great run. We won a handful of of national, that'd be awesome, of state championships. Uh, And we had a number of players uh, be drafted uh, to play Major League Baseball, a couple of which actually made it to the big leagues. And so baseball was the sport you wanted to be a part of. And when you made the team, especially the varsity team, you got all sorts of cool swag. You got all this gear. And that was a cool day. And it just keeps increasing now. It's amazing all the swag that that high school uh, players get. But one of the things that was most valuable to us was a jacket. Now, it wasn't a Letterman jacket. It was a Jasper High School baseball jacket. I don't know how to explain it to you except to say that it was a jacket that said Jasper High School baseball on it. And it was awesome. Okay, so when, when we got these jackets, I still remember the day I got it, the day I made the varsity team, the day, I got, the day I got it, it was unseasonably warm, and I wore it to the basketball game that night and sweated the entire time because it was way too hot to wear, but I wanted everyone to see me in this jacket. And of course, it wasn't the jacket that I was boasting in, it was actually, I was captivated by 
being on the team, but more than that, wanting to be seen to be on the team. And the jacket was just a sign to show everyone that I was on the team. Now, of course, over the years, I've traded that jacket for other things to boast in, right? I've made other things my obsession. I've made other things my aim in life. I've made other things my source of hope and identity. And honestly, they're not all good. And the reality is all of us boast in something. Even you, kids, you boast in something, right? There's something that you think, oh, if I could just have that, if I could just get that, then everything would be okay. Then I would be forever happy. But guess what? You know when you get that thing, you're not forever happy. You want something else. Just like that jacket, being on the team didn't make me forever happy. And so I read this this week. I thought it was so helpful. When it comes to religions, there are many. But there are really only two religious options. We can boast in ourself or we can boast in the cross. Those are the two options we have. And so today, for a few minutes, we're going to reflect on two types of boasting that Paul gives us. Okay? And the first one is this, the empty boast. An empty boast is an external boast. Right? We see it in verse 12. Look with me. It is those who want to make a, here's the key phrase, good showing in the flesh. Right? It's, it's them that are putting all the pressure on these Galatians to be circumcised. These are the people Paul's been talking about who were obsessed with the external. Right? It, it seems that they couldn't wait to go back to Jerusalem and say, look how many people, look how many Gentiles we got to be circumcised. They were keeping score. They were tallying it up, how many people they could go back. Why? Because they wanted to make a good showing to those they thought were important. But Paul tells us that this type of boast is an empty boast. And here's why. Look in verse 13. Look, even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. So there's something about an external boast. There's something about an empty boast. We boast in it, we hope in it, but we can never obtain it. Even if we define it, even if we make up our own rules, we can never make it. And so we have two options when we don't make it. We can double down and try harder, or we can try other things that maybe if we boast in those, they'll fulfill us. Maybe if we boast in those, they'll make us happy. Maybe if we get that thing, everything will be okay. You see, external boasts are empty boasts because we cannot live up to them, and they don't deliver the happiness we need from them. Paul gives us two telltale signs of an empty boast, if you're wondering, is my boast an empty boast? Here you go. The first telltale sign is that an empty boast will seek safety instead of loving their neighbor. You'll seek the status quo instead of loving your brother and sister. You'll seek the status quo instead of seeking the common good. You'll, you'll, you'll live for the status quo and safety instead of giving yourself to your coworkers. Look at verse 12. They want to make a good showing, so why? In order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, these are religious people who are persecuting them. We tend to think of persecution coming from irreligious people, but they were concerned about the religious people. Paul was being persecuted by the religious people. So you see, for us, it's not just that we conform to the world with materialistic boasts or we, we, try to, we try to be able to boast in our alma mater or boast in our position or our social status so that we won't be persecuted by those outside the church, but it happens inside the church, right? We, we try to conform to religious rules. 
right? We try to make a good showing that we're really holy and spiritual people. Why? So that we can be seen as in the in crowd, right? So that we won't be persecuted. So we won't be slandered by religious people. And when we have an empty boast like this, we'll conform to the status quo, even if it means failing to love our neighbor. You see, because what will become most important to you is fitting in, not loving your neighbor. And sometimes, even in the church, we're gonna have to stand out. We're gonna have to walk the opposite direction of what churches in our neighborhood are doing, churches in our city are doing, maybe even people in our churches. We might have to walk the opposite way in order to keep in line with the gospel and love our neighbor. So a telltale sign of an empty boast is that you will seek safety instead of loving your neighbor, Paul says. The second telltale sign is that you will pursue anything that makes you seem successful and appearances become more important than wholeness. Verse 13, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but the desire to have you circumcised. Why? So that they may boast in your flesh, so that they can take glory in their power over you. It's amazing. You see, when we're committed to the merely external, we will lose sight of reality and we will hurt people because in order to boast in the external, you have to make yourself look better than someone else, right? You have to tear others down in order to excel at your own game. And so two telltale signs of an empty boast is you'll seek your own safety instead of the love of your neighbor and you'll pursue anything to seem successful even if you're not whole, even if you're external, your outside doesn't match your inside. Even if what you do doesn't match your motivation, it doesn't matter if you have an empty boast because it's all about appearances. And way down deep, all empty boasting has this in common. This is a quote. It is this, empty boasting is in love with this present world that is obsessed with appearance. Empty boasting talks big but can't deliver So we begin the quest for loopholes and justification. And why would we do that? Well, it's because without Jesus, there is no solid boast. There is no empty boast because there will always be more and there will always be the next and there will always be a new community to fit in, a new inner ring to find yourself in. And so anything we look to that is only external, whether it's religious or irreligious, Paul says, You're building your life on sand. It is an empty boast. And lastly, Paul would call us to his boast, which is what I'm calling the everything boast. So Paul, his main message in Galatians is, leave the empty boasting for the everything boasting, the boasting that can actually hold your life. And this everything boast is an inward boast. It works itself outward from the inside, but it always starts on the inside. Paul says the only thing he boasts in is the cross of Christ, verse 14. But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So to boast only in the cross is to turn away from any way of creating our own righteousness. Hey, and this isn't just righteousness before God. It's also righteousness with other people. Whatever room you walk in, there is a system, there's a game of righteousness, and you can choose to play by its rules, or you can choose to be light and salt in that place. You can come in and not try to seek your identity, but you can live from a secure identity. And if your everything boast is the cross of Christ, 
You won't need to jockey for position. You won't need to play by those rules. You can subvert those rules. And this is why nothing cuts us down to size like the cross. It's been said this way, the ground at the foot of the cross is level, right? No one is above anyone else. You see, all of us have an inflated view of ourselves. All of us are way too impressed with our preferences. All of us are way too impressed with our ideas. All of us are way too impressed with our obedience. And some of us are way too impressed with our ability not to be so impressed with our own self, right? Right, either way it goes. But you see, Paul actually says, neither way is what I'm talking about. Being unimpressed with yourself doesn't save you. Being impressed with yourself doesn't save you, right? In the end, Paul removes both of these things he says it's not about our performance, which would be circumcision, circumcision, and it's not about our self-declared freedom from conformity, which would be uncircumcision. Rather, let's look at verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. You see, faith in Jesus makes us new. That's why we get the Holy Spirit. And when we bear those fruit, man, those are the buds of the new creation. Kids, if you grow in patience towards your brothers and sisters and if you grow in obedience to your parents, if you grow in kindness, the Bible tells us that the only way that you do that increasingly is because God is at work in you. And guess what? That goes for us adults too. We have no hope except for new creation. We have no hope to grow in patience with our spouse and kindness and gentleness with our coworkers unless the Holy Spirit is working in us. No law will help you become more loving, Paul says. And no, no lack of law will, will help you become more loving, but a new creation will. And that is what happens in the gospel. And so you see, when we experience this, we'll no longer have to boast in our culture or our alma mater or our accomplishments or our children's accomplishments or our networks or our social status or our beauty or our popularity, or our obedience, or our hard work, or our style, or perceived sense of style, or our perceived sense of status, right? We won't have to boast in those things. Those things actually can become things to be stewarded because we don't need to find life in them. Listen, you all have a choice this morning. You can give your life to the empty boast, or you can give yourself to the everything boast in Jesus, where you're given life, new life, to be exact. And my hope is for all of us in New City, we would increasingly experience the freedom of the new creation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that every person in Christ is new creation. And so guess what? When we're new creation, when we realize we've been set free, we've been given a new life and adopted into a new family, we no longer have to climb the social ladder. We don't have to seek to be in the cool kids crowd and guess what? We also don't have to be envious of the cool kids. We get to love them. And of course, you never grow out of that, do you? There are always the cool kids. I want the gospel to set us free. I want what Paul wants. No wonder why Paul was so passionate that they see it's not obedience or lack of obedience, but new creation that will give us freedom. And I wanna end with this. If you trust in Jesus, only you belong to him.
And when you belong to him, he protects you, he provides for you, he changes you, he fights for you, he leads you. And no matter how empty you feel, some of you walked in this room so deflated, so empty, so discouraged. And a lot of that, most of that is so real. But know this, that when you belong to Jesus, Jesus wants to embrace you. He wants to bring you in. He wants to comfort you. And the gospel says, you get to come empty-handed. Let him do that. Let him heal you this morning. Let him empower you. Let him tell you who you really are. And then let that set you free to love your neighbor this week. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now so grateful for the book of Galatians that you would have the Apostle Paul give it to us. It is a book that will not let us be too impressed with ourselves, and yet it won't let us beat ourselves up and say that we're nothing because we give up all boasting except in Jesus, and then we gain everything. We bring nothing, and we gain everything. So I ask this morning as we move into the Lord's Supper that you would, with precision, speak our true value to us in Jesus, that we would move out of here as people who are filled up with life, not seeking life in places that won't give it. Convince us of the beauty of the everything boast in Jesus this morning. Amen.